the bonobo apes are is an ape culture. It's like actually monkeys, like the apes. They operate as a matriarchy, and so the female bonobos um, all kind of you know stick together as 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 women. They actually do stick together for real. It's not like you know, fake stick together with the feminist t-shirts. They, they actually do stick together. And every time, <laughs> and every time, you know, there's an aggressive male bonobo that tries to get with a female bonobo, all the females come together and shun the male bonobo away. And the aggressive male bonobo dies a lonely, miserable death by himself. And the female bonobos only choose to procreate with the kindest, gentlest, most loving male bonobos. And so in one generation could turn an otherwise ugly, you know, aggressive culture into a kind, gentle, loving one. So the goal, the, the point is that we hold all the power of the future of humanity inside our wombs as women. And now we can choose like what we want the, cult, the next generation to be because we, we, it's, it's in our womb. We can say no to assholes. We can say no to people who aren't lifting us up and making us feel great. We can say yes to kind, gentle people who uplift us and who support us. And that can shift culture and society faster than anything else. Welcome to Big Questions. This is Cal Busman. Never thought I'd be learning about the bonobo apes on this podcast and bamboo toilet paper. But I am, and now I'm using that bamboo too. Changed a habit that goes back half a century simply because my guest today is Mickey Agrawal, entrepreneur and author of the book Disruptor. Spell that D-I-S-R-U-P-T-H-E-R because it's a manifesto for the modern woman. If you're male, hold on, hold on. This book is for you too because, as Mickey points out, the word he is in the word her. And if a man wants to know what modern women are going to be thinking, it's definitely in these pages. It's a joy for me to talk with people who see the world differently. People who just won't sit back and settle when they know that the world around us can be improved. They go all out and they change it. Mickey dealt with menstruation problems by creating period-proof underwear, a product called Thinks, T-H-I-N-X. She's also created a company to improve everybody's ability to clean up over the toilet with a product called Tushy. Alert, alert, alert. If you want to see it, make sure you go to hellotushy.com and not tushy.com because tushy.com is a graphic porn site. Anyway, when you look at Thinks and Tushy, you're looking at $150 million companies. And Mickey's book is a call to action for everyone to kick aside the status quo and improve what you want to be better. In that spirit, big questions headed to new ground this week. Generally, when I have these conversations, they're face to face. But Mickey was in New York and I was in Los Angeles. And I wanted this conversation to come out upon the release of Disruptor. So we spoke through an internet application called Zencaster. First time I've ever done it. Let me know what you think about the sound quality. If you like it, it opens the door for me to easily record conversations with people all over the world. To think that a little more than a year ago, I was nervous that I wouldn't know how to hook up the microphones and check the audio levels on the recorder. And now I'm setting up at the WeWork podcast studio. Looks like I'll even be doing events from WeWork. And get this, I can get you a deal if you want workspace at WeWork. I'll be able to give you more details next week. I know, I know. I know, a while back, I said I didn't want to have any advertising that goes, use offer code Fussman, but you know what? That's the best way to get you a good deal. So I'm going to think about the right way to do this. 
because there are some beautiful and comfortable spaces at WeWork that you might be happy to have at a discount. And if I can get you a deal, hey, we're both going to feel good about that. Stay tuned. And for now, make yourself comfortable at WeWork.com. And when I use the word comfortable, you know what my definition is. All you need to do is imagine a pair of sportique sweatpants. So soft, you'll never want to take them off. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Kevin, the manager, sleeps in his. And I'm so happy exercising near the Santa Monica Pier in mine. So go to sportteak.com and check out those sweatpants along with hoodies and comfy tees. That's Sportteak, S-P-O-R-T-I-Q-E. Know you between the Q and the E, and that's what makes it unique. Sportteak.com. Oh, and to the winners of the Why Is Your Best Friend Your Best Friend contest, hoodies are coming your way. I wanted to include personal notes with them, and I just got back to the office after doing some storytelling workshops and speaking engagements. I hope the winners are going to be videoing the moment they put on those hoodies. Everybody is going to know the definition of the word comfort. And now that you're comfortable, let's get straight to Mickey Agrawal, author of Disrupt Her. When was the moment that this book came to mind? So the last decade of my life has been really disrupting categories that have been pretty stagnant for almost a century. Um, for example, the period category, that you know, the menstruation category, there's only been three major innovations in the entire 20th century. And I wanted to disrupt that category and introduce a new product to the market. And so we built uh, Thinks and now it's, you know, valued at well over $150 million. And, um, and then it sort of propelled me on a path to really looking at other products and other categories that sorely need disruption. Uh, and now I'm working on a company called Tushy, um, and definitely don't go to tushy.com. It's a porn site. Go to hellotushy.com. And um, Tushy is <laughs> graphic porn site, might I add. Um, and so hellotushy.com. And, and the idea behind Tushy is looking at completely disrupting the toilet category, specifically the way we go to the bathroom and use toilet paper. Toilet paper is brought to America in the late 1800s. And the way we wipe ourselves has not changed since then. Um, you know, the average American uses 57 sheets of toilet paper per day. A single roll of toilet paper requires 37 gallons of water to make one roll of toilet paper. You know, the, we're, we're killing 15 million trees. We're flushing 15 million trees down the toilet every year for a product that doesn't work, you know, toilet paper. Toilet paper exacerbates hemorrhoids, urinary tract infections, yeast infections, anal fissures, anal itching, all these things. It's not, if you think about it, you'd never jump in your shower and use dry paper to wash your body without any water. Of course, you're going to use water. So, you know, so we're trying to, so what we've created is a simple modern bidet attachment that clips onto your existing toilet and turns any toilet into a bidet. Um, and for $69, it can completely transform your health, hygiene, and life. And we're you know, it's really all about, you know, shifting the zeitgeist, you know, again, disrupting this tired category that hasn't been changed since the late 1800s. And so that's what I, you know, and through all this experience of disrupting the period space, the poop space, the pee space, we have light bladder leakage underwear specific for women with light bladder leakage. You know, while disrupting all these categories, I've just gotten so much pushback, so much societal shaming, so much, why are you doing this? No one's going to care. No one's going to invest. No one's going to write about it. No one, no one, no one. And you would try to shame me into just doing safe things. And um, through this experience of disrupting these these categories and building big businesses, um, I realized that society is wrong about a lot of things. Society is not just wrong about periods, pee, and poop. Society is wrong about you know the concept around money and career and love and relationships and purpose and all of that. There's there's so much that is 
um, tired and old and and not of today's times and not relevant to our generation or the next that really need a good magnifying glass, a good looking into to and then understanding the historical context of, of where these common beliefs come from and then and then require disruption. And so my book really looks at 13 specific areas in our lives that need disruption. I look at the historical context of these common beliefs and disrupt them one by one. Oh man, this is gonna go deep. <laughs> but but let's start with Tushy. Yes. I mean, are you like concentrating on these areas that like are scatological? <laughs> I mean, basically our taboo. Yeah. Yes. What what brings you to those areas? What makes you curious about them? Did something happen to you when you were young? <laughs> That made you think about this? No, I just think that, you know, every time I had my period every single month, I would have, I would, it would be a mess and I would forget to change my tampon and pad. It was like getting my period for the first time every single month and I would like just completely destroy all my clothing and everything. And I would have to spend so much time washing all my clothes, washing my sheets, washing my underwear. And it was just such a pain in the butt. And I knew I needed this product for myself. And then I discovered and obviously know that every woman has experienced this. You know, my sister, you know, is a surgeon and in the middle of an operation, she can't stop a surgery to go and change her tampon. You know, a soccer player that I played soccer my entire life, you can't just stop the game and go and change your tampon. If you're performing on stage, you can't stop and change your pad, you, you have to keep going. And, and oftentimes you you bleed through things. And so there was really a need for a product that really um, helped support women um, and, and made us feel really secure and, and taken care of and held um, throughout the entire cycle. And then same thing with Tushy. It's like I, every single time I went to the bathroom, I would have to do the whole either jump in the shower thing, which required so much wasting of water, wasting of time, wasting of energy, or I would do the whole, you know, taking two gigantic wads of dry paper and then I would put, I'd wet them underneath the sink. And so my fingers would be like dripping with like toilet paper, water, wetness. And then I would go to the, sit in the toilet. I would poop. I would take the first wet wad, white that would take more dry paper than dry it. That would take the second wet wad and wet it again and dry, wet my butt again, then take the final dry wad and then dry my but it was like this whole thing. And I was like, there has got to be a better way. And then I looked in the bidet category and, you know, Japanese bidets are thousands of dollars. Nobody wants, you know, nobody wants to spend that. Most most millennials and younger are renters, do not own homes. And so nobody wants to spend that money to replumb their homes and plumbing and electricity and all that stuff, expensive product. And then there's also these, you know, the French bidets are those weird things that you have to like shimmy over with your poopy butt to clean your, it just doesn't make any sense. No one's going to spend that money or time to do that either, no, nor does people, most people have any space. So for me, it was really just, I wanted a product. I wanted something that worked for me and then discovered that 30 million people have hemorrhoids, UTIs, anal fissures, yeast infect, all these things that, that could be alleviated by just being clean down there. So it's not necessarily where I'm obsessed with scatological or periods or things like that. Those were real serious pain points in my life that I wanted to resolve. And they just so happened to be in that area in a category that is taboo. And I think it's actually great because then it's an opportunity. If someone doesn't want to talk about it or someone doesn't want to, you know, like someone feels uncomfortable talking about it, that means that there's a lot of opportunity to innovate in those spaces. Like I said, there have only been three innovations in the entire 20th century in the period space. So there's a huge opportunity to disrupt. In the poop space, hasn't been any change at all in America specifically since the 1800s. So huge opportunity to disrupt. So um, it was really exciting. And so for 69 bucks, mm -hmm. problem solved forever. Forever. Literally. And if you want to get some for your second bathroom and then you start to fall in love with it, you get some for your friends. We have a travel tushy that's coming out, which basically <laughs> when you're like traveling and leaving your home and you want to like, you know, you want to go to the bathroom in your office or you want to go to the bathroom somewhere else and you don't, you don't have, you don't want to do the whole wet paper wad thing. We just have this really sweet travel bidet that fits in your pocket like a little disc and, um, and then you can fill it up with water. Um, it's an expandable little water bottle thing that has a long spout and it's just transformational. And then we also have organic bamboo butt towels. So if, and then we have organic bamboo toilet paper on subscription. So 
if you don't want to use, because you still have to pat dry with something because you're, you know, you're wetting your butt, so you want to pat dry. So we say, okay, first start with organic bamboo toilet paper, which instead of using, it's tree-free, you're not killing trees. Bamboo grows up to 39 inches per day. So bamboo is the most wow. sustainable material. And so we have organic bamboo toilet paper that you can use to pat dry, but you're using 80% less toilet paper than having to do the whole like wrapping around the 57 sheets around your hand. Um, and then we, and then if you, once you've graduated and you feel comfortable within yourself, you can graduate to the towels. We have hundred percent, the softest, as soft as a panda's bottom towels that um, can pat your butt dry beautifully. And it's, it's game changing. It's life changing. You know, it's, it's really like once you feel clean down there, it's like brushing your teeth for the first time, you feel more confident. You actually do. <laughs> what is it about bamboo that is so flexible? I've got a bamboo bicycle. I know, right? And now you're telling me there's bamboo toilet paper. Oh, yeah. You could do bamboo. You can make everything with bamboo. It's amazing. It's a you can make anything with hemp. Hemp is another really amazing material. You can make t-shirts. You can make concrete with it. You hempcrete. There's so many materials out in natural world that are much more sustainable and grow much faster and easier, like a weed, than a tree, which is you know takes you know years and years and years to grow. Um, that can you know, do a lot. More what's amazing? Me. Listening to you talk you get set off in a direction and just to solve a problem. And the next thing you know, you start to know a lot of stuff about bamboo. <laughs> it's, it must take your life in a million different directions. Yeah, it's really fun. I feel like sometimes there's, if there's like, you know, a very obscure card game that has an obscure question that can maybe make me win a point, then that, that comes in handy for sure. <laughs> Okay, so let's get to the deeper issue here behind your book. Mm -hmm. I got a little newspaper clip from the Washington Post in front of mm -hmm. me. And the headline says, Historic Hindu Visit. Mm. And the story starts like this. Women in southern India made history early Wednesday by entering a renowned Hindu temple where women of childbearing age have not been allowed for centuries. Wow. And their visit followed in India's Supreme Court ruling last September, declaring that all women had the right to worship at Sabari Mala. And I'm wondering if there is a spirit moving around the world with the word, the letters H E R mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. Do you do you feel that, and is that also? guiding your book? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's just such a new, the word feminism is fraught with so much connotation. Feminism is actually defined as just purely gender equality. That's it. It's not women are better. It's not like her, you know, it's not like futures female. Like I don't, you know, necessarily subscribe to the futures female because it's exclusive, it's excluding men. And I think that's, it's doing exactly that, which we don't, we're, we're, we're trying to fight against. I think as women, you know, we, we created men. I mean, men came from our vaginas, you know, and so it's like, we don't need to fight in the same way that, that, that men are fighting. We don't even need to fight. We just want to say, Hey, like we just deserve the same right to be in that temple. We deserve the same right to be at work. We deserve the same rights that you have. It's, that's, it's as simple as that. It's not anything more than that. That's what true feminism is. Now, obviously there's radical feminine, there's all kinds of things that make it definitely a lot more nuanced, but that actually the def definition of feminism is just gender equality. That's it. And I think, you know, in my book, Disrupt Her, I actually talk in the very first pages, I'm opening the book right now. And the very first thing that you read, which it says a note to you, by opening this book, you're opening yourself up to disrupting much of what you believe to be true in the world so you can live your most vibrant, strong, actualized, lit up life ever. Congratulations for taking this big, courageous step. And then on the next page, I have a note to men, which says, disrupt her has her in it, implying it's written for women, for women only, but he is within her much like man is within woman. The Bible speaks oh, of man. man. Aristotle writes about man. And even Viktor Frankl wrote man's search for meaning. Yet women read those texts too, don't they? So why can't we say her and woman and have men read it too? We can. This book was written by a woman for women, but it's meant to be read by all humans. 
So when I refer to her, it does include you too, if you so choose. And that's it. And so it's like her is, he is within her, just like man is within woman. That's inclusive. It's inclusive inclusive of, of everyone. And I think that's ultimately, you know, like what those women are, are like storming that, that ancient temple. It wasn't like kick all the men out, only women. It's really all about Hey, we should have a right to worship here too because we we we're equal to we're equal we're humans. That's it. Do you get much pushback when you submit a book proposal like this, or is it very welcome in in this time of the Me Too movement? Well, I think it's interesting only because of my own personal experience of being on both the side of fighting for women's rights and then also on the side of having been sort of taken down by a by a you know a woman. So I think I, I sit in a very interesting position where I can empathize with people who are wrongfully accused. I can empathize with people with women who haven't had the same equal rights as a female entrepreneur. I've definitely been you know, not invested in because I'm a woman of color, you know, and, and, and have had a lot more skeptics, you know, skeptical response, um, you know, and, and, and that's proven by the fact that when I, when I, you know, bring in, you know, you know, like I, I've had, I've, I've come up with some fun strategies to overcome some of these issues, like bringing in, you know, white males with British accents to present my idea for me, which then raises the money, which I've done before. <laughs> and, you know, that happened to me. And so for me, and, and so I'm like, okay, cool. Like, it's not that um, you just have to play. This is just a society we live in. I'm not angry about it. I just have to play with it. And so, and then see if we can move society in a forward thinking direction without outrage, because we can do it that way. And that's what okay, I'm, I want. you know, that's what I, that's what the book talks a lot about too, is like, how can we disrupt the world in a positive direction in a really lit up, authentic, powerful way without, having to take anyone else down without having to be outraged by the other the other side because they're just saying what they've been taught by their forefathers you know so it's not their fault either it's nobody's fault it's just like let's all just be awakened to who we want to be and then inspire others to do the same that's it you mentioned being taken down by a woman and I'm wondering, is that in the book? Is that something that you're going to talk about? I don't talk. That- no, it's not. It's not in the book. I definitely talk about girl on girl hate. I definitely talk about, you know, where where that sort of girl on girl hate might come from. I, I think for me, like my point of saying that was that I empathize now with. I really feel empathy for for all parties. So when you're going through your book, what are the main landmarks from start to finish? Yeah. So, I mean, so there's 13 disruptions in your life. So it's looking at 13 common beliefs where society kind of dictated how we should think, act, and be in those categories, and then gives historical context of where those common beliefs come from and disrupts them one by one. So, um, for example, you know, some of the things might be like, you know, why must we get serious as we grow up? You know, the first, the first common belief is we have to get serious as we grow up. You know, we've been told in classrooms, get your head out of the clouds, sit down, be quiet, don't talk out of turn, you know, all these things. And, you know, why must we get our heads out of the clouds? Like, who's making those rules? Like, why can't we dream? Why can't we still live in a childlike state of curiosity, playfulness, and awe, and be responsible adult at the same time? We absolutely can't. You know, same thing, like why are our children still learning like they did during the Industrial Revolution? You know, the rows of deaths, the standardized tests were all made to churn out factory workers. You know, why are we still making our children go through, you know, these obsolete processes of learning that clearly isn't working? You know, like why are we medicating our children to help them focus on a system that's completely irrelevant to current times? You know, like these are all things that like is is I, I'm I'm talking about in the book. Like, why are we following these things? Like, literally, the way we're learning is is like the industrial revolution, the rows of desks, and the standardized tests. That's just not working for today's student or today's learning human. You know, like same thing. It's like, why must we follow a career path? We've been told follow a career path. Like, even if you go to medical school and become a doctor for a few years, like, why do we have to stay in that profession? Because it makes our parents have more bragging rights. Like, because we might lose face if we switch careers and might possibly fail the next thing that we do. So rather we stay in our safe career path that makes us unhappy than trying our hand at the thing that we actually are passionate about and save face for for who and for what? Like, that's the question. Like, who are we saving face from? Like, who, who is society? Like, why do we care? 
You know, and same thing, like, why are we still not talking about money? Like, why are we still so uncomfortable talking about it? Why is it so tacky to talk about? Because money is literally a made-up energy exchange that we've agreed to is worth something, and yet it's taboo to talk about. Like, why is that? Who says? Who says? You know, it's like, well, if you can talk about poop as easily as you do, money is very easy to talk about. But for most people, it's impossible to talk about, you know, especially women. Like, you do know 70% of women's money are kept in their savings account because they don't know, they're scared to invest it because they don't really understand it. And so, you know, women have double-digit percentage more money sitting in their savings account collecting dust than men do. So when by the time women and men retire, women are a significant disadvantage. We have to, like, really understand where that comes from and why. Why why are we uncomfortable talking about it? You know, if we, the more we talk about it, the more we can actually properly learn about investment strategies, the more we can invest it properly and the more we can make more money to, to support our families. It's it's like, it, it's an obvious thing. So, but there's still this great stigma around it. You know, same thing with the culture of complaining. Like, why are we all down to live in a culture of complaining? Like, I get it. You know, everybody wants our angst heard, especially the selfie generation, but isn't it better if we connected different, more positive, disruptive way? You know, it's like, these are all things that I just feel like need to be disrupted fully. When you look at things, I'm just trying to imagine what a mind would be like thinking like yours. Do you just look at everything and wonder how that might be replaced by something better? Yes, and that's exactly the point of the book too. Like you get to chapter eight um, or disruption number eight in my book, and that's the point where you start to question everything in your life. And question why you do everything in your life from the point you wake up to the point you go back to sleep. Like, why are you doing everything? And that's the point is to question everything. Are we doing the things that we're doing because we've just been taught that way from and just following like sheep? Or are we doing it because we believe that's the best way to do it? You know, and, and having to fight our preconceptions that are so deeply rooted inside of us is a really hard thing to do. And so this book is really meant to hold you accountable to questioning everything that you do and, and asking yourself why you do them. So as you move through the book, because you, you mentioned there were, what, 13 chapters? Yeah. And, and eight was, it sounds like a pivotal yeah. part of it. What happens as you move toward the close? Where are you pushing people? Afterwards is, is, is when we get into, you know, how to redefine feminism and fight the patriarchy authentically without outrage. You know, how to be a generator and not a drain, like how to stand out you know, uh, and, and allow all of our sides of ourselves to come out, not just, I talk about the Shakti goddess in, in, in one of the, you know, one of the chapters, which is, sounds a little woo-woo, but the Shakti goddess basically in the Indian tradition can sort of incarnate as so many different goddesses. She can be the Durga and you know, the warrior goddess. She can be Kali, the mother fighter. She can be Lalita, who is the you know, the goddess of sensuality. She can be Saraswati, which is a goddess of wisdom. She can be so many different, she can incarnate into so many different things, which is what we have within us as, as all humans. We're, we have so many sides of ourselves and yet in business, it can only be our Kali or Durga or fighter we come out. We can't be anything else. And all of a sudden we're defined as that. And so all of a sudden it's really hard for us to be soft and sensual and mother. And, and it's just so many, it's so difficult. And so the idea is like, how can we show every side of ourselves powerfully, both in business and in our personal life and not be, and, and not feel like we have to be judged at all for any of it. You know, another one is like having to completely replace the word failure with revelation. You know, like we talk about failing forward and it's like failing is a good thing and how to fail fast. It still has the word fail in it, which is a negative word. So why don't we just replace that word with with um, reveal, like what has been revealed to you? Because then when you do, it allows you to disrupt way more things without worrying about the concept of failing. People don't. People often don't start anything because they're afraid of failing before they even begin. And so if they're like, oh, wow, I get to go do something and something's going to be revealed to me, that sounds really exciting versus, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail. It's like, oh, what do I want to reveal? What do I want to reveal? It just, set, it just creates a different path in our brains to want to go out and try and do something. And then it goes to you know how to breed your snag, a secured new age guy, <laughs> how to really think about, you know, your partner in life. Cause you know, as women are, are the primary breadwinners, you know, 64% of women are either primary co or co-breadwinners now. And so women are starting to gain, you know, the, the power dynamic shifting a little bit as well from a, what's acceptable to society standards. And, um, and as a result, it's like, we don't have to pick men who are just, you know, earning a living 
to basically pay our bills because otherwise we're going to be screwed if we don't have because most women you know in the last generation wasn't weren't working including my mom and so you know for for so many women who aren't in great relationships are basically stuck in these marriages because they're just they don't have any kind of skill at that point because they spent their entire lives raising women and so they're just having to deal with either an abusive husband or like an asshole or a whatever because they don't have any other choice and so the idea is now in this generation and the next that like we can breed a snag a secure new age guy who can uplift us as women who can be be our, our equal our partner our, our loving partner and not and not be someone that we have to be with because of the money you know I talk about the bonobo apes. The bonobo apes are is an ape culture. It's like actually monkeys, like the apes. They operate as a matriarchy, and so the female bonobos um, all kind of you know stick together as 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 women. They actually do stick together for real. It's not like you know fake stick together with the feminist t-shirts. They they actually do stick together, and every time <laughs> and every time you know there's an aggressive male bonobo that tries to get with a female bonobo all the females come together and shun the male bonobo away and the aggressive male bonobo dies a lonely miserable death by himself and the female bonobos only choose to procreate with the kindest gentlest most loving male bonobos and so in one generation can turn an otherwise ugly you know aggressive culture into a kind gentle loving one so the goal the, the point is that we hold all the power of the future of humanity inside our wombs as women, and now we can choose like what we want the cult, the next generation to be because we we it's it's in our womb. We can say no to assholes. We can say no to people who aren't lifting us up and making us feel great. We can say yes to kind, gentle people who uplift us and who support us, and that can shift culture and society the fastest and more faster than anything else. So it's this as you're talking. I'm wondering, is this what the Me Too movement is all about, where you're taking the- Aggressive right, ones, yeah. I, I, I was going to just put it in bonobo ape uh, lore uh, and pushing them out of the workplace or mm -hmm. in some cases uh, to jail. Yeah. I think um, the aggressive male mentality is dead. <laughs> you know, I think it's like- Trump is the last hurrah of that. You know what I mean? I think we obviously voted for one, so there's there's something in the zeitgeist that's trying to Why? hold on to it. No, I think it's a, it's the it's the older generation that's trying to hold on to this patriarchal conditioning. I think it's a very scary thing for the, you know, for like an older generation who's been so used to having the power and control to now all of a sudden not have food on the table when they basically said asked to, or, or to have a controlling to control someone in their household it's a very scary thing for so many so they're just it's like a final opportunity to like in, put someone in 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 the white house who can keep the status quo strong you know and i think that's why there's so much uproar against that because it's just so not where the next generation is it's where the past generation maybe might be but no longer where the next generation is okay and you've mentioned here way back when we started about being taken down by a mm -hmm. woman. And I'm wondering, since I saw so many women who were going for Bernie Sanders in the primaries mm -hmm. against Hillary Clinton, if some of what you're talking about was what didn't allow Hillary Clinton to rise and take her place in the White House. Um, can you repeat that one? So why, why Bernie Sanders? Say that one. What, what I was getting at was there were many times where I would start talking with women during the campaign and they would tell me that they were supporting Bernie Sanders. Right. I mean, and I, I'm thinking, hold on here. Like this is the one time mm -hmm. where you have a chance to put somebody of your gender in the white house and, and, my own daughter uh, was going with Bernie. And I said to her, how, how can you feel this way? And she came back at me and said, are you crazy? Like, I don't have a mind of my own to choose who I think would be best. And that kind of told me something. No, I think it's Actually, Hillary, specifically Hillary, I don't think, I think she 
it was just like the Bush Clinton, Bush Clinton dynasty that people wanted to stop. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden it's Bush senior, then Bill Clinton and then Bush junior. And then, you know, it just would have been, you know, it just would have been Obama, but then like, you know, her again, it just, people just, there were just too much corruption and too much hiding. And, you know, if you watch some of the documentaries about Hillary, who I know personally, and I think she's an incredible, remarkable, upstanding woman who's, absolutely deserved to get to get the role of of you know chief executive of the country you know i think she was tarnished by by you know definitely the media definitely by the fact that you know it's so f- crazy but the fact that she stayed with bill even after he cheated on her and i think that's a personal thing they love each other they're i mean i've i've seen them in 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 private quarters they they really have this this beautiful best friendship and it's like yeah you know he 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 made he made a lot of mistakes in his personal life but you know, I, and the fact that she was judged so, she was judged so hard to have stayed with him and not, not having him be judged for doing what he did to an intern. I mean, just like, it's, it's kind of, it just still shows a zeitgeist in which women are still operating in. I mean, there's this, there's so many gender bias studies that have come out that shows, you know, when men show, when, when, when men are, you know, like talking about themselves, they are, they know their own worth. When women are talking about themselves, they're shameless self promoters. I mean, this is an actual study you know, conducted by a university with a partnership with, with a gender biased um, learning project. And so um, there are a lot of biases that are so deeply ingrained with, and within us that even amongst women, where a woman in power, it really, it really threatens women. You know, it does. A woman who gains popularity and gains power, she loses, she, a woman who gains power loses popularity. That's, that's a truth. Men who gains power gains popularity. That's another gender bias study that came out with the gender bias learning project. And these are, these are, these are actual studied truths that that are in the current societal conditioning. And so that is where we need to disrupt all of that, that, you know, like women often, because, you know, men have been dominating for so long that women have to fight for the one seat at the table, like, you know, have a cat fight for that one seat versus believing that, that we can make more seats at the table for together, you know, and I think we're still in this scarcity mindset, which it's understandably, it's only been a generation since we're fi- finally starting to become the, the primary co-breadwinners, that it's a really scary thing to um, to believe that there could be two or three or four or five or six seats at the table instead of that one and clawing at each other for that one seat. So I think there's still this weird jealousy, this hierarchical thing that when women gain in power, it makes other women jealous. It's like, it's a real thing, you know? And I think in men, it's, you know, it's a fraternity with a boys club. It's just a different thing because men have been conditioned for so long to stick together. You know, and that if they stick together, they dominate the women. So it's kind of like it's a it's a tough it's a tough place to be right now, where you know women are definitely marching and, and fighting for our rights to for gender equality. But then there's also these sort of nuanced cat fights that are happening that are kind of bringing women back. And I think that's where we need to really just stop all of it and just kind of realign and just say, okay, like at the end of the day, we're all for equality amongst all humans. We don't really like it's not about like okay, like intersectional feminism. Now all of a sudden it's like, okay, now you're a, a woman of color or you're a woman, a gay woman. Okay. Now you're a, a trans woman and now you're different. You're different. You're, you're little mini parties in the women's party. And now each among, amongst yourselves, you're deciding who's more important and you're fighting amongst yourselves versus coming together and fighting, you know, and just fighting for pure, true equality for all humans. Cause that's ultimately what it is. So it's kind of like, we're still in this, this sort of power dynamic structure system that you know that's 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 clearly not working and that's why you know this book also is meant to disrupt just all of it just to be like can we just understand the historical context and then while now that we understand it because most people don't know what the hell they're talking about when it comes to feminism when it comes to the patriarchy when it comes to anything they're just talking off on their soapboxes that they read from the one headline from somewhere you know like in a couple of days ago that they're now using as their like number one line and it's just like absurd and so i think if people do a little work of the people you know, really understand the true historical context of where a lot of these things come from, and they can then they can move forward in a much more authentic, truthful, informed way for themselves authentically. Well, how should a man look at things going forward? How if have you seen I the Gillette am, commercial that just came out? Explain it to me. 
it's it's a Gillette commercial that just talks about toxic masculinity and that it just talks about how gone are the days where, you know, men are able to use their sort of, you know, power and control to dominate and and, and the next generation of of boys are really about supporting and loving, you know, women and 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 being equals to to all. And I think it was it, it received very mixed reviews, you know, obviously from from the men who are threatened by that. They they didn't they didn't like it, but then so many other men who are secure within themselves um and how they how they act with women loved it and women of course loved it. And so it was inter- it was really interesting how that that just came out like just recently, like this past couple of weeks. And so it's 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 interesting like where men are going post me too i think it's just really um i think it, it is a little bit scary because we're kind of leaning a, a different direction that like anytime you know a woman screams something then it's like hashtag believe women which i i don't technically believe in either um i think obviously it's important to believe more women right now because women have been thrown under the rug for so long but i think it's you know based on my own experience like you know, a due process is lost a little bit. And so I think it's important to still maintain a due process and really do the invest, you know, investigations and things like that. But I also think that, you know, 95% of, of women are telling the truth. You know, it's only 5% of women who are, you know, wrongfully accusing people. And so if we're looking at that statistic, then we should believe women for the, you know, 95% of the time. So at the end of the, you know, so at the same time, there is this due process piece that's important. So, you know, I think we'll find a middle ground where, where, you know, I think a lot of these men who are being exposed absolutely deserve the exposing. They've done really bad things to women for so long. And for them to go to jail or face a criminal punishment because of their, all the things that they've done is, is, is the right thing. I also think that it's very nuanced again, because sexual people who are now thrown in the boat of sexual harassment, um, like Aziz and Zari is just undeserving. Like he didn't sexually harass. He was just a terrible date. You know what I mean? He, just, he was like not, he wasn't, he didn't really understand, like to pick up the cues. Cause he's like, you know, a nerdy Indian guy, like, you know? And so it's not, and I'm Indian. I can say that. So, um, <laughs> So yeah, I'm half Indian. Yeah, I could say that. So, you know, um, I, I think I think people are now getting put in these buckets of sexual abusers and assaulters and whatever, and they're not it's like some people who really like actually assault someone is is deserve you know, should go to jail and that's criminal criminal punishment. But then someone who you know, like says an inappropriate thing, like, cause they were drunk or whatever. Should that person be bucketed in the same place? No, of course not. So I think it's going to get to that place right now. I think it's really, really important for everyone to, you know, for, for men to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to freaking second guess myself. Cause I don't want to be me too. I think that's actually really, really cool that that's happening. It's really astonishing when you think maybe 15 years back or so, 10, 15 years back, and looked at the landscape. And I could have come to you at that time and said, you know what? In 2019, Harvey Weinstein and Steve Wynn and politicians, senators like yeah. Al Franken, they're just gross. Bill Cosby, that uh, Charlie Rose, these these people were seen as pillars of American culture, yeah. and they're completely pushed away. And I, I keep thinking of your bonobo ape analogy. The thing about it is, is how do men who are conditioned to like act in in certain ways, I guess, to be the aggressor, how do they? hold that back? How do they know when it's time to step back and when it's time to move forward? Because everything seems like it's in flux. Yeah. um, I think, I think as, you know, years are going by, I think, you know, these stories will be coming up more from past wrongdoings, but I think moving forward, I think it'll really put a pause in men actually doing those things. I will also say that there's that article, there's that 
documentary about that singer who has the, her two those two women who are held hostage. Um, Is that like Art R. Kelly? R. Kelly? Yes, R. Kelly. Like I believe I can fly. That guy. Um, right. You know, he's like doing like the fact that he's had all these like almost like concubines in some ways that he's brainwashed into having them. He still has two at his house right now who, who, who have been brainwashed to stay there. And, you know, like that's happening still, you know, but I think more and more like the next generation of boys who are growing up to be men are definitely going to be a different breed to the current ones and the ones of the past. I mean, it's just, there's just no, there's just no way that it's going to still be this same kind of one sex dominating another. I think it'll be way more equal and it'll be equal partners. Um, and we're seeing that more and more. And I think the Gillette commercial was a great example of that, that the next generation had the boys, you know, the boys becoming men will, will not tolerate that kind of abuse, assault, any of those things. Is, is that, you know what, it's a good point. Is that where things are really going to change when men step up and tell other men, no, we're not going in that direction? Not cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at Andrew, my husband. I mean, he's he started this amazing thing called the Junto, which is really guiding men into emotional mastery. You know, and it's it's all about it's all about you know modern masculinity and emotional mastery, like how to teach men to really you know emote and to feel and to share their feelings. Because studies have shown these are real studies that have shown that men are it's more acceptable for men to be violent than emotional, and so you know that's a that's that's a fact. And so for for men to cry all of a sudden you can't you know you can't teach a man to run a marathon when they haven't run around the block one time. So it's like all of a sudden cry, emote, like you can't say that, you know? And so it's like, feel things, feel. And you're just like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, you know? And so I think it's important for men to be led in a way that feels, again, authentic and safe for them to feel those emotions. And so Andrew's leading men on these men's retreats called the Junto. And uh, it's almost like a rite of passage for men to really get to their place of emotional mastery. It's really powerful and beautiful. And I think, you know, people like Andrew are going to help move men in the right direction. How do they find out about the Junto? Oh, it's called WeJunto, WeJunto.com. So W-E-J-U-N-T-O. Yeah, It's a not-so-secret club for emotional mastery and mutual improvement. Okay. <laughs> so when we reach the end of Disruptor, what do you want people to take away when they read the last sentence? What is the last sentence? The last sentence is, okay. Uh, okay, I'll read you the last, I'll read you the last, last small paragraph. Now it's your turn. It's your turn to truly question, challenge, and then disrupt all aspects of your life, struggles and all, so you can live a more excited, impassioned, lit up existence filled with adventure, love, friendship, and fulfill, fulfilling work that creates a positive ripple effect for generations to come. And please hurry. This world needs you now. Yeah. So it's really just, it's just like a, a call to arms at the end. It's It's really... Um, the last page is it's sort of like a bigger, bigger words that just say it's the moments of struggle that inspire true transformation. It's the moments of struggle that lead to the biggest breakthroughs. It's the moments of struggle that inspire those around us. It's the moments of struggle and relentless termination that impact the world. So, what will happen if we have a million people thinking just like you? I think that's a. Gr I think it's going to be a great thing because it just creates this, this sort of crack in the societal preconditioning and I think it'll just move society forward in such a powerful way. It'll be it'll make people a lot more conscious, a lot more thoughtful, a lot more introspective, a lot more lit up, a lot more authentic, you know, a lot more powerful in their own voice. Uh, it's a culture of action of of doing and not just talking, you know, instead of complaining about something, they're doing something about it. It's not like a you know, we live in a culture of complaining, you know, complaining is acceptable, you know, trolling, commenting, all that shit. People are just hiding behind their computers, but rather than just, you know, like this book just says like complaining is for procrastinators. By complaining, you're literally wasting your time. Like rather than complaining about it, go do something about it. Go solve it. Go figure it out. Go talk to go make a call. Like figure it out. Like don't just hide behind the complaints because nobody wants that. You know, if you're an employee at a company and you go to your, your, your boss and you're like, I have a complaint. It's just like, ugh, versus like, 
hey, I noticed something, but I have a solution for something, the thing that I noticed. So if you come with solutions, all of a sudden you're a lot more interesting to talk with than just someone who's coming to you complaining about something, right? And that's this culture that we've been accepted. That's accepted. It's just complaining. And just like, you don't want those people on your team. You want people who come with solutions. And this book will really kind of sort of like be that rally cry for you that you can like, you can do it. Like you can really, like you've got this, like you can disrupt your life in the most exactly the way you want. You have the courage, the power, the ability, you can do it. Well, I want to thank you so much because you really did make me think in a bunch of new ways. I'm really thinking about the bonobo apes and I'm thinking about a new way to go to the bathroom. And I'm really just thinking about looking at the world and seeing things that I just take for granted and wondering, why should I take it for granted? So thank you for that. Thank you for this last hour. Yay. And thank you for just allowing me to know you. Oh, ditto. So we're going to clink glasses from 3,000 miles away here. (laughs) And I'll say cheers. Cheers. That about wraps it up. I want to thank Tim Ferriss, as always, for pushing me to start this podcast. Never thought when I started this podcast that I'd be having contests backed by my sponsors. Got another one coming soon that will be supported by my intent. My intent is the bracelet that challenges you to think. You come up with the word that will guide you to the place you want to go. It gets inscribed on a token that is wrapped around your wrist with a beautiful band. Every time you look at it, that word becomes like your North Star. It guides you to where you want to go. My guest last week, Blake Mykoski, founder of Tom's, as in Tom's Shoes, has worn one, so is Beyonce, Conan O'Brien, Kanye West, Larry King, and me too. These are highly affordable, so check them out at myintent.org and then go and change the world. Want to thank WeWork for getting behind this podcast. In particular, want to give a shout out to Eric Levis for making my visit to the WeWork podcast studio so welcoming. And of course, we got to give a shout out to my friends at Sportique. Their hoodies and sweats will show you the meaning of the word comfort. I'm telling you, put on a hoodie and then ask people to feel it. Then watch the expression on their faces. That's soft. Check out sportique.com, S-P-O-R-T-I-Q-E.com and see what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. The best is yet to come. Cheers.